Well, Dad, welcome back. Another episode of Talking Church. We're still going. We're still making episodes. I was worried in the beginning. I was like, is anyone going to listen to it? I mean, we've we've made, I, th- I think this is like your fourth or fifth, maybe sixth episode. I don't know. We're, we're, we're well into season two. Got some good episodes that we've come out with. We've and, been at conferences and people have and been- And they said. Yeah, they've been stopping to me. It. Like we listen. I mean, yeah, we're going to keep going. I, I was, when, when you see it and hear it from people that actually tell you like, oh, we really enjoyed that episode. I'm like- Okay, it's actually working. Well, yeah, you see the data, and you know we joke about it, but we're like, is that really just our team opening that episode up a hundred times? And like, you know, it's like with music, yeah. it's like, oh man, you we know that that was the writer's mom just listening a thousand times. Oh no, yeah, it's real people. True so. story though. When I was had COVID, and when that, you were at COVID, no, I said when I had COVID. Oh, I was like, when I was at COVID, and it's not a location. Yeah. Now that I said that, is this podcast gonna be banned or something? I don't know. Maybe it were. When I had it, I, I binged. Going. I just binged and binged and listened to podcasts. Mm. And it was a while ago, you know, and I, yeah, it was a long time ago. But I mean, I just binged, and you know, and then I would get my vitamin D outside because I would go outside to get the vitamin D to mm-hmm. help fight it, and just listen to podcasts. Hmm. What were some of the podcasts you listened to? Well, can I say Joe Rogan was one of sure, them? Yeah. You know, I mean, there were tons. I mean, yeah. I, I would that just go through it ago. and start looking and looking and grab another one and do this one and like this one, don't like this one, did that. So, yeah. Were there any other ones like church related that you could recommend? Because um, I don't know that Joe Rogan. I mean, I listened wholesome. to obviously Craig Rochelle has a huge podcast following, mm-hmm. so I did his. And you, you weren't out there yet, so yeah, I didn't okay. do that for Got you. It. So, Thanks. but you yeah. would have listened to all the episodes if if I would, I yeah. would listen to them all again. So, yeah, yeah. good. Um, well, you know, uh, uh, I don't even know, it's a few months or a couple months ago, six weeks or so ago, we had uh, craziness, tragedy totally happened that, that many of our uh, you know, churches in our network are aware of. Right. But uh, Pastor Anthony Richards uh, had a tragic um, aneurysm that uh, took his life. And, you know, we're, we had a celebration of life for him and uh, it was such a beautiful celebration of life. It was. Um, his family and um, he touched so many people at our campus, but for those who, who aren't aware of that, um, that happened. And, you know, over the past month and a half or so, we've been processing through that, figuring out what the next steps are. Um, but, but want to kind of take a step back and, and talk about what, what happened in, in your world. Cause, cause from, you know, there's obviously the, the public facing side of it of here's, what we're communicating to people in the church, right? Here's right. what we're communicating to our staff and our team. But as a pastor, you're having to pastor the staff, the family, the congregation, doing a lot of different things at once. And I actually think that talking through this a little bit maybe is will be helpful for some right. who deal with crises on their team. Uh, maybe it's not in exactly the same scenario, but Pastor Anthony was on our directional leadership team. He yep. oversaw campus. He had a big part in Kingdom Builders and Global. And it, so Ran, there, there yeah. were a lot of things that he touched and then was on the team for 15 years. So... Talk about pastoring in that time. So, you know, I mean, you have, I'm sure you have a ton of thoughts on that, but I, just, I want you yeah. to share where you want to Let share. Let me just say, and you encapsulated his life very well, but he was like the high octane staff member that would, I, I said, like he'd run through a wall of bricks and the bricks would get hurt. Like <laughs> he was like, go. And, you know, if we were on sport mode, he was always full sport mode. Let's go 100 miles an hour never stop and let's live for Jesus every single day, every minute, let's go. Yeah. And that was the guy that he was and uh, wonderful man of God. 
And um, like you said, his service was amazing to remember him. He's missed, and it's left a big hole, and we've had to look at it now, like, how are we moving forward, which I hope we can get to that by yeah. the end. But I want to go back because in a crisis, um, you're all going to face it. Every one of us is going to face a crisis. You're going to have things that you did not plan for, um, whether it is that you make the front page of the news and there's a crisis at your church or like this, an unexpected crisis of somebody dying suddenly. And we don't know what we're going to do until we're faced with it. But I will say this, like, I like come alive in a crisis. I find like this extra juice. And the only thing I can say is like, I even like when I'm playing sports, like if I'm feeling like lazy or I'm not focused enough, I'm like, pull yourself forward. And I literally can feel like the back of my head and I like move my focus. I know it sounds weird, but I move it from the back to the front, like right above my eyes. And I find like I physically can feel a change in my body that I'm focusing that hmm. tight. I know. Did you, did you like get that from anybody or do you feel like it was just instinctive? No, I heard about people talking about getting in the zone, you know, in sports. Sure. And I just thought, okay, what do I got to do? And I'm like, focus. And I, I used to say to myself, focus, like pull, come on, focus. And as I just thought like, okay, stop. And it's, and I, I know it sounds weird, but it's like, I'm literally blocking out everything else. And it's almost like, it's like I'm closing all the open, like on your desktop and you're just like closing the tabs and all the tabs. And it's like, now I'm focused. And it's, it feels like that, like everything closed. So when I get into crisis, I do that. So this was no different. And I got the text from his wife on Saturday night. And for those that don't know, we have Saturday night service. So I get the text about an hour before service. Anthony's unresponsive. He's on the way to the hospital. Please pray for him. And I'm thinking it's migraines. He had migraines. I thought it's migraines. And I even said, I cursed those migraines. Those stupid things. You know, I was so angry at him because it, it has knocked him down so much. And so at that point, I was like, I have a crisis. He's in an ambulance. Like, it's not like his wife said he took a nap. You know, it's like he's in an ambulance. And so I immediately contacted our executive pastor, Chris Book, and I said, you need to get in touch with Mandy right now and figure out what's going on, get in touch with her, um, and, and take care of the situation. And so I had to get it out of my mind and on to him, which is what a leader should do in a, in a crisis. At that point, it was a crisis that I needed to delegate. About 20 minutes later, the text comes in and it said, Anthony is gone he has died. I don't want to be alone. Could someone come to the hospital? Literally that fast. And I, I'm now like 30 minutes from church. We have church at four o'clock. I'm 30. I have my sermon in my hands. And when I looked at the phone, I dropped my sermon down and I just went, oh, no, no, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just said his name. And I was like, I, and I, it's like, I took a couple of deep breaths and I was like, okay. And I was like, we are going into full-on emergency mode. And I looked at Lisera, who was helping, and she works with you, and she was helping me that day. And she was out in the outer area of the office, and I just said, go get Chris Book right now. It's an emergency. Go, go, go. Like, I was, like, trying to get the urgency on her, like, like until you move, like, fast enough, I'm going to keep saying the word go, 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 go. And then she gets out, and then I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And I forget what book I wrote it in, but one of them I wrote about, like, I, I'm going to assess in that moment in emergency, like, what is my current reality? Yeah. What are the options available to us? 
And then for me, it was like, what's the right thing to do right now? And and then I even know, like from writing that in a book in a crisis, that I realize that even if I make a mistake right now, I'm going to be able to recover. Okay, so anything I decide right now is not like going to ruin anything, but I can recover from it. But I have got to make a decision right now. And as fast as I could, I kept going. What what if I stay? It was like, should I stay or should I go? You know that song. Okay, it was like, do I stay? Do I go? Do I send somebody? Does Becca go? Is Becca good enough? And then and and then I'm going. Wait 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 wait. What do you think now? You think and you live that your staff is your responsibility. If the staff is your responsibility and that you're a leader and you lead the staff and you lead the elders and you teach and this is part of your calling, this is your job. This is nobody else's job. This And all this is happening so fast, rapidly in my mind. And then I'm like, I should go. And then I'm like, what's gonna happen to all the people that don't get the sermon right now? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I gotta figure out the sermon. It's in 30 minutes. And, and it, all this is going, and then I'm like, you should stay and preach. No, you should not. You should go to the hospital. You are going to leave the 99 for the one. And I know it's, she wasn't lost, but she was hurting. And I was like, you're going, you're going to get your wife. And then I knew that there were some elders that usually come in and pray with me before service. So I called them immediately. And I said, are you on your way to church to pray with me before service? And they said, yes. I said, redirect, go to the hospital where Mandy is. Anthony has just died. And I, and I said, I need you to go there now, redirect now. And, and I said, I'll, I'll be there soon. And then I just, I decided right then I'm going up there. And I just thought, well, this is what I thought. I thought, this is what I feel is the right thing to do. And I thought if I was in church, that's the type of pastor I would want to have as my pastor. Hmm. That's what I thought. I thought if my pastor, if they told me, Hey, we don't even know what the sermon's going to be tonight. We're just going to read from the Bible. We're going to read the book of Philippians uh, because Pastor Rob's out here. You know, he went to take care of Mandy. Anthony just died. I'd be like, that's cool. That's the pastor I want to follow that would go in that moment and and care for someone that was part of their leadership team. And I just said, it's the right thing. It's the right thing. Even if people don't think it's the right thing, it's the right thing. And so... I, they, they came in and they said, should we show a video sermon? And I was like, no, because they wanted to show, we were going to start a giving series. And they said, we'll show an old one. And I was like, no, no, no. And I just thought, wait, 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 who on our team? I thought Kirk's on an airplane. I'd normally just lean on him right there and say, hey, you're up. What do you got? And then I was like, who on our team do people like pay for them to get on an airplane to come speak at their event? You know, they're, and I thought, that means you're a pretty good speaker. If people are actually paying you to get on an airplane to go speak, I thought, Terry, Terry does that. So I said, find Terry, tell him to grab one of his top three. Don't tell him what has happened. Have him go preach, which by the way, I found out through the whispering in the hall that he found out right before he went to preach, which I didn't want to put that burden on him. But anyways, that was my plan for him not to know. And then they said, what if he doesn't answer the phone? Because it wasn't even at church. I said, I had, I had watched Davey go by just a moment before. I thought, Davey? Davey's got to have a hot sermon somewhere in that file. Pull it out. He was a youth pastor. He's going to have to preach that one. He's he's next man up, you know. And Becca and I, we just went straight to the hospital. And at that moment, it was just get to Mandy. And then the congregation had a sermon, I thought, either from Terry or from Davey. And we're good. But I, that stress was just right there. And I would just say that principle for anybody, like whether you're a pastor or a leader or whoever you are, be the kind of person that you would want to follow. Like do the thing that you, like 
that's what I would want. You know, like if if it's the owner of the business and you found out they did this and they, you're like, that's the type of owner I want to work for. Mm -hmm. Do the right thing yeah. in that moment. And that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I've, I've shared that before with um, different teams that I've led. I said, you know, make any decision that you feel is the right decision, but just don't don't lack integrity and don't lack effort. And sure. I think that in that, like, it, the integrity and effort side of that, for like, for, for you, you made a decision of integrity, you made a decision of this is what I want yep. to do. And, like, I don't think... I don't think you're ever going to regret making that decision nope. ever in your life. Nope. You when know, I whereas in, if you would have went out and preached, I think you maybe would have. Oh, I would regret it. Yeah, I would regret it, and and I would think George, his son, could look at me like you're a jerk. You're the preacher that spoke on money rather than coming to be next to me, sitting yeah. next to my dad's corpse. You know, like yeah. I mean, and so I was like, nope, nope, we're going. Yeah. And when I walked in the room and I saw Mandy and George, and my heart broke, and I. You know, and Anthony was there on the table. It was like he was already gone. And I just was like, this is the right decision. And right now I'm in a minister. And I said the name of Jesus. I prayed in my prayer language. I just prayed. And I just, I, we put our hands on their back. We hugged them. We just were with them. And in that moment, we just took care of them. And then mm -hmm. once she had told her daughter and, and people were starting to know, his parents knew, her parents knew, I asked permission. I said, can I leave the room now? We'd been there for a while. Um, can I leave the room and let the staff know? I don't want them to hear it through the grapevine, the staff that worked for your husband. And she said, yes, yes, yes. So then I called them all. And I thought, how do you start this conversation out? And I just said, everything I'm going to tell you is true. Everything I'm going to tell you is true. And there's no easy way to say this. And I said, Pastor Anthony has just died. And I am at the hospital with Mandy and George. This is true. And I wanted you to hear it from me. You know, and then there were things like Clinton was on the phone with, and he was crying and his kids were like, daddy, daddy. You know, and they didn't know what was going on. I said, Clinton, you're going to put down the phone right now and you're going to talk to your boys. You're going to tell them someone you love died. Well, sure, because they don't know. They what, don't know. And I said, mom's not here. She's yeah. speaking at an event. And yeah. I said, tell them mom's okay. Grandma and grandpa are okay. And I'll tell you later tonight who it is, but you need, I said, and he goes, okay. So he puts the phone down and then I just went through the staff and called as many as I could. And then I said, who are the key leaders that need to know when in a crisis, here's what I've learned. You have to have a cascade of communication and you have to know who are the people that need to know in the proper sequence and order. So they don't feel left out. They don't feel overlooked. They feel loved. And then they can also bring their gift to the table and they can say, I know them. I can pray. I can love them. I can also help pass this out to other people. I can bring comfort. And so I just thought that cascade of communication needs to go from the team that directly works to him, to the elders, to the staff. And then I thought, it's Saturday night. We have to have church tomorrow. And then I recognized multi-site. Like we were close to him, but campuses maybe weren't. Yeah. And they're going to want just watch Terry's message and be like, oh, that guy, did he mean a lot to you? And we well, yeah, had on that, taking a step back for a second, I don't, I don't know that I fully realize, and you've been in this longer, much longer than I have, how fast tragic news travels. Yes. Like, I mean, many of our staff found out through, a, through an email or a Slack message right. because of the pace in which 
people were already posting about it or, you know, yeah. social media. And so it was like, we wish we would have been able to call every single person. Correct. And, but, but I mean, some of our campus pastors, some of our key leaders, people found out in a, in a message because it was, it had traveled so fast yes. that you, I think for a lot of pastors, it's, oh, I want to, I want to keep things under wraps for a little bit, or I want to take some time to process. You do not have that time. It is like split second, 30 seconds, 50 seconds, a couple minutes of window of yeah. opportunity to decide in crisis, not just in this case, but in a lot of other crises. When it's bad news or it's tragedy, it's Boom. wildfire. Yeah. I've got a thought on that. I thought of this just now. It, I, I hold bad news, you know, and I hold it and I want to make sure that I can release it in the right way. I release good news at, at any time. Yeah, whenever there's you know, something that like at our, that I like or I want people to have, I'm oh, like, yeah. He'll tell people all the time, like, we'll have, like, we'll leave DLT, our directional leadership team meeting, and it's like, hey, this is confidential. Like, you know, we're uh, buying uh, the Aria that we just, we just, or the June Loon um, building downtown. He would tell everybody, like, none of us have the the authority to share anything, but he just would go around, oh, yeah, guess what? Check out this building. He's showing people. Yeah, but my theory is let good news out so much so that people think they thought of the good news. No, I know. You You can do it. Yeah, hold the bad news, release the good news, and then um, when it comes to a crisis, though, it's right now. It's right now. You have to be right now on a crisis. You're like, let's think about what we're going to say. I mean, I was getting a hold of uh, Darren Lee and Chris Book, and I was like, no, no, we have to send this now. I just got a text from somebody in Australia, and I'm still standing in the emergency room. Mandy has not left the hospital, and I have just had somebody from Australia tell me that they know. Okay, and then a former staff texts me and says, I just heard about Anthony. I was like, how in the world? And he was looking to buy a car from somebody that is a deacon in our church and Anthony's father had called that deacon from Australia and now former staff, I've not even told my staff. The news is traveling so fast. So it's like right now you got to get it out and you want to get that cascade of communication out to everybody as fast as possible. And it's not like you're trying to give them the juicy. You're just trying to say, I respect you and I want you to hear this from us. Yeah. Okay. You're not, it's not gossip. I respect you. And then from there, I realized we have to minister. So I was like, we have to get the staff together. I have to minister to the staff right now before tomorrow. And we called an emergency meeting. I don't even know how many people showed up. Um, I was on a plane. And they showed up. And so we had this meeting and we had worship. We had a time together. We prayed. I gave them this this story so they'd be able to repeat it as people asked them. I ministered to them. And then I felt like it was one of those moments like in a movie, like where somebody grabs you by the shoulder and like slaps you on each side of the face. It's like, hey, wake up. And you're like, listen, we have to minister tomorrow and people are going to come in and they don't know Anthony. You do. And your friendship with him is going to have to, I said, when you get to the parking lot, leave it in your car and go in and minister and then come back to your car and start crying again about losing your friend. But you got to leave it in your car, go in and minister and then come back. That I said, and then I spoke. Particularly for the people at other campuses. At other campuses. I said, Crosstown, we're going to minister. Okay. But And then I called an emergency meeting for the leaders to come in early before the first service. Deacons, key volunteers. Deacons, yep. And then, you know, so the whole team was like, oh, thank you for doing that. And and I even spoke prophetically. I said, there's probably going to be, there, there's going to be a girl coming, or a family coming up to pray for a girl, and they need a prayer of faith. 
And just because Anthony died does not mean God is not powerful and God cannot do miracles. And you're going to have to pray in faith. And true, like right almost where I was standing in the service, that that spot, a family came up for prayer the next day, bawling for their daughter. Wow. And they and they were like, they could hardly speak. And they said, our daughter needs prayer. She's not been doing well. And, and they started to go through her physical things. And they, they were like, exactly what you spoke, we prayed. Hmm. And then... Um, yeah, going to that crisis. Then the next morning, I ministered to the team, and I said, "Listen." Well, before before that, can you can yeah. you talk about the service? Because I thought that I th- night, Saturday, no, night? Sunday, Sun- Sunday morning, Sunday morning, the service. Because I mean, obviously, there's tons of people showing up. It was not the the celebration of life service. This no, no, is just no, no, our no, Sunday service. Like, I've but never... it, they got the news like that night hours before that, that uh, night. Yeah. And then you're having to do a church service, so you canceled the video. Every other campus got the video. So every other campus made an announcement about Anthony, and yep. there were a few people in each location that were like, oh, I've been on a global team with them, yeah, or he taught me Alpha, or you know, I knew him from before. Um, but most of the people were like, was he a good guy? And that's one thing I've noticed about multi-site. People love their site. They love the huge church, but they love the multi-site. They love yeah. their location. Yeah, I was at I was actually at City Campus that weekend, and it was interesting. More people came up to me to console to you, say, "Hey, I'm so sorry," because obviously, yep. I mean, I worked with yep. him super close, known him for 15 years. Um, but the people who had been at that campus before, obviously, very affected. Yes, but many people they 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 just didn't know him, yeah. and I think that was what was unique about it. It was so weird to go from going from these meetings where we're crying and it's heavy and all of us are missing, you know, somebody who you work so closely with to somebody who's on mission with you is doing everything with you, yep. but doesn't know the person. So that was, that was unique. Uh, if you're not multi-site, that challenge may, may not, or that might not exist, but for those but then, who are at the Crosstown campus, yeah, totally I meet service. with the leaders and I give them that moment. I share what I know. I pray with them. I hug, I hugged everybody. I literally went around and hugged every single person that showed up. I, I was I just hugged them, and I want them to know, hey, we're in this together. And I came up with a, a statement that I said, like, um, I understand multi-site that I get to love from an all level, and your campus pastor loves you from a you level. They know your name. Let me minister to you, even though I don't know your name. Let me pastor you right now. And that was kind of a breakthrough thought. Um, and I said to all the staff and all the people in charge of everything, I said, listen. Two things. We are not going to burden children with the weight of this right now. When they come into church, children's church is going to be full of joy. We are not talking about this. We are going to have regular children's church. Let them be kids. Okay? Number one. Number two, we need to have extra people on hand to replace people that are too emotionally, you know, overrun with this. And I said, so if you're greeting and you can't not ball, like tap out. Let somebody else come yeah. in. And I said, we need a next man up, next man up. I said, kids area, if we have to, tap out, bring in somebody else. Let's go. Because we, we've we got to know where it's appropriate to grieve and where it's appropriate to still be ministering to people that needed it. Then we threw out the whole day. And I mean, I, just, I literally had white paper, eight and a half by 11, and a pen. And I wrote down whatever the Holy Spirit was telling me to do next. And I, I kind of had an idea. And everybody was like, what do we do? What do we do? I said, we're going to start with one song. Then I'm going to talk, and then we're going to do more songs. And then I'm going to talk again, and then we'll figure it out. And they're like, what are you going to talk about? I said, just I'm going to talk. And then we're like, I was literally like, how am I going to handle this? And I said, it's like we're in a living room, and I'm going to tell you this, and we're going to, I'm going to, I want to minister to you. And I'm telling you, God showed up. You could feel the presence of God so strong 
in that place, so strong. And then we continued to minister there, and then I ministered. I felt somebody was really distraught. We actually, you know, watched the Super Bowl with them and just said, hey, man, we're here. You go from the many to the one. Like, the, you're my friend. I care for you. I love you. Yeah, that was that was Super Bowl Sunday. That was Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, so that the, the day before the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah, and then did that, and then it was on Monday. I ministered to the staff again. I said, you can have the morning off, uh, the Crosstown campus staff. And I said, meet me for lunch. I didn't want them to isolate. Sometimes when you isolate, you can fall into dep- depression. But I also knew that they had demands. Like, it's been crisis mode since Saturday night. And so I said, take the morning off, make pancakes, do a load of laundry, do whatever you need to do, sleep in, work out, whatever will replenish you. Do that Monday morning. Meet me for lunch on Monday. And then have the rest of the day off if you need it. And then I did this. I said, everybody tell me stories about Anthony on Monday because I knew the staff would not be able to remember him at the funeral. Like too many people are going to be speaking. Yeah. But these are the people that loved him and worked with him so closely. So I said, you guys, tell me stories. Let's talk about Anthony. Let's share. And and it was just healing. And I told everybody, like, we're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to be all over the place. Don't judge anybody, give extra grace, and let's move forward. And then, obviously, the normal funeral things took yeah. place. But um, it was odd because his family was coming from Australia, and we had a weekend in between him dying again and his funeral. So I stayed on point, and I preached that sermon, There's More in You, yeah. and addressed it to the whole church, but didn't dwell on it, but used it to speak to them. And then... Um, yeah, I'm mean, just think about all the different things that we've been through and ministering to the family. And then we actually had the committal service before the celebration of life, which made it like the family was able to grieve deeply and then be able to celebrate greatly. And that, because we did that order, and then um, everybody's teasing me, not teasing me, but like you're the only one that really cried at the service, you know, because the others, I mean, they were crying buckets of tears and I'm trying to live, like, keep everybody moving forward, keep moving forward, 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 forward. And for a moment there, I went into my grief, you know, like, oh my goodness, I just lost a friend, a coworker, a leader, a pastor, a man of God. That's his family. He's part of our church. And a side note, I've talked about in grief, you go in it, you go through it and you go forward. And it's like, I had been in forward mode, forward, 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 to pull everybody forward as they were in it. And in that moment in the funeral, I kind of went back to in grief. And I that's where I started crying. I was like, we'll, we'll pull up, pull up, okay, you know. But people were like, you know what? We needed it. The, the service needed it. And since then, I've had a couple times where I've been in it and moving through it and saying, all right, God, now we go forward. And I don't even know if we have time to talk about that. Like, No, to, I, I think that's you know, so – I love this, but I think it's so interesting because – I love how you use forward because some people say whenever it, whatever emotion, get over it. No, and it's yeah. not. It's never. It's not get over I'm not it. You don't get over it. I'm going to move forward. Yeah, yeah. I think that's helpful for for anyone who's dealing with any level of grief or tragedy. It's like no, we move forward. We don't get over it. We don't brush aside whether it's you know a, a moral failure or whatever it is that you're dealing with. It's like we don't brush it aside. We move forward. You got to. You got to keep moving forward in that. And can you talk a little bit, I don't think we'll be able to get all into the reorg stuff. Maybe we'll do that next time. But um, can you, can you talk a little bit about the different levels that or the different uh, levels that people were in? Because, you know, you had um, uh, Sean was, was on a global team 
and then other people were at the Saturday night thing. Some people, even the services, people oh, were at yeah. first service to second service, and you have people that are, oh, that was so healing for me. And then you have people coming into second service that are just just found out the news walking yeah. in because they didn't see their email the night before. Talk about how dealing with people that levels of grief, and then you have the family shows up. Now you're at a different level, but then everyone else has had time I to process. Know. Yeah, I mean, that was the hardest. The hardest thing was how many people had to get on the same page together. And it was like starting a race and we were all at different parts of the track. Mm. And it was like, go slower so they can catch up and go faster so you catch up with them. Sean is on a global team. Other people were not able to get the call but got it through an email. Some staff made it to Saturday night. Everybody ministered on Sunday. Some people were at the money, not everybody. And then I think we canceled all staff. Yeah, we did. And got everybody together. And we even we, told yep. Anthony stories there. Yeah, and we did we a lunch with all of our staff. And we did in lunch. place of staff meeting, yeah. And I said, tell stories. Because what I was trying to do there was get everybody closer as a pack. You know, because we still had people that had not even told their Anthony stories or even shared with anybody like, this is what I'm going through. And... And we had other people coming back from global teams. So I was I was trying to bring the whole group as close together as they could so they had a shared experience instead of, oh yeah, you weren't here for that. Sure. And so that, that was my thinking, bring them together so they have this shared experience and let's get them all on the same lap, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get them running this race together. So it was just trying to bring everybody together. And thankfully, I could say this, like, I don't think we, I would make one decision different. Hmm. Not one. I mean, I know that sounds crazy. Like, really? No, really. Like, I don't think I would have made one decision different. We just kept moving forward and everything seemed to fall into place. And people have said like, wow, that was incredible to see what God did. And I'm like, it really was just Holy Spirit lead and guide me. I, I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing every step of the way. And nobody could get mad if I was doing the right thing is what I thought. So, And I think that's an important distinction to say, I, I wouldn't do anything different versus I wish that it would have, like, I wish that wouldn't have happened. Of course. I right, wish right. that fill in the blank wouldn't have happened. I wish that peep, I would have been able to call every single person, but it's with the information that we had with all of that, happening so quickly making the decisions at the time and i think sometimes we dwell on what could have been but it, it wasn't the decisions we made and i think that distinction is something that i've noticed through you is you're saying i wouldn't do anything different not that i i didn't wish i we didn't have every staff member there yeah like do i you, wish i would have been able to call every person yes yeah do i wish everyone would have showed up to saturday night yes do, but i wouldn't have done anything different yeah but i wish more time or more people or whatever but no and i'm not living in the regrets of anything i'm like we moved forward we did it right and um probably now the biggest thing i'm thinking of is who falls behind the group sure like who's still stuck in grief mm -hmm. who's not moving forward but is trying to get through it because, I mean, some people are like, all right, what's the new plan for the campus? Yeah. And you're like, okay, it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Even at the Let service, people are asking that question, but it's... I know. It, that was crazy to me that people like, we're done with the service. We're getting ready for lunch. And they're like, hey, what, what's the future? Who, who are you thinking about for campus pastor? I'm like, 
Yeah. Wow. But yeah. then I think about this. Jesus is like like coming through a trial and all, and all of a, he's getting ready to die. And his disciples are like, oh, we were arguing who's the greatest and who can sit at your right hand and your left hand. You know, so if the disciples weren't even aware of what Jesus was going through, yeah. I cut people a lot of slack when they do stupid stuff like that. Absolutely. When you think about crisis in general, not just this one, obviously this one's very fresh and just happened. And I mean, I, I think I speak on behalf of a lot of people who've told you this over the years, but you handled this in a way that I think many people around the country were just, or around our church, were grateful to say, anyone in the country, we're so glad that you were leading this. And even just the, the presence to be here and all the things that you did. I mean, I know that comes with experience. And I know, like you said, that you kind of flip your mind forward. But I know for many, like people were just so grateful for that. And so thank you on behalf of many um, in the way of handling that. When you think about crisis in general across this space and others, what are some things as you've gone through dozens of them over the course of being pastor, maybe hundreds, but dozens of ones that are significant in size and maybe a handful that are as this large, what are some things that come to mind that you'd say these are some some key things that um, you've you've seen in yourself that have, have helped you to rise up or things to maybe avoid? Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I'm looking for, is there an example that I can lean on? You know, like, is there something in the Bible about this, like an example? Um, is there an example that I've seen from someone else in life? And so I'm saying, is there an example? And then if I don't have that, then you know what I've, I've done in other times, like when we made the front page of the paper with a crisis with the kids pastor years ago, um, I phoned a friend. I forget, I forget what... There was a show that like phone a friend, you know, it was like one Who of the wants options. to be a millionaire. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they'd say like phone a friend, fifty uh, fifty or whatever, you know. Yeah. And you, it was like, I'm in a crisis. I got to phone a friend, mm-hmm. and I just tried to get other like godly advice or wisdom in that moment, and that helped so much. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a little thing that they said, or they were just outside the crisis, and they gave me perspective, mm-hmm. and I was like, good call. You know, so it was, it was things like that. So it was phoning a friend, doing that. And if, if it's not a crisis that notice, we still let people have church Saturday night. We didn't end service on Saturday night because, you know, ultimately we have a responsibility to have a service that glorifies Jesus. Mm -hmm. And even though there was a crisis in the moment, we still could say the crisis can be dealt with and that service can still go on. Sure. And so it's phoning a friend, it's recognizing that. And then, um, I mean, I could tell you this, there were books when I was a youth pastor that I'd like somebody call like, hey, our kid just tried to commit suicide. Can you come to the hospital? I'm like, yep, on my way. And I grab that book and be like, when a teenager commits suicide. And I mean, I am like jamming, reading everything at the stoplight or sitting in the parking lot right before I go in, like try to get any resources, pre-internet, pre-cell phone. Now you just Google it. You'd be like, oh, my friend. But you could get junky advice on Google. At least I knew my trusted source with my books. But um, you know, you're just looking for any advice. I can't tell you many times that I've called my own mom who just has like the gift of wisdom and has a prophetic gifting and just seems to like, like she just like does Tetris on like problems. She's like, this piece fits here. And you're like, that's brilliant. You know, I'm I'm thankful that she's passed on a bunch of that wisdom to me because 10 years ago I was like, don't die. Obviously, I still don't want her to die, obviously, but I was like, don't, I don't, I need way more of what you got in your mind, in my mind, Yeah, you know? 
yeah, I think even writing stuff down that in moments when you're not in crisis to come back to during crisis. It's like, what would I tell myself? What would I tell me in crisis when I'm not in crisis? And even coming back to things like this, I remember Pastor Rob, he did a podcast on leading through crisis. I need to listen to that on my way to this thing or um, whatever it is. I know there's people who bookmark this and say, this is something that we can look to and phoning a friend, all of that. So, Well, and here's another thing. At the end of a crisis, I get done with it and I look back and I assess it and I see who do I need to apologize to that I might have been too gruff to or yeah. whatever else and let them know like, hey, it was just the pressure of the moment. We're good, right? I didn't have to do that this time. I was like, I don't think I have to apologize for anything. But instead, this time I assessed it and said, who do I need to thank? Hmm. And then I went through and I said, hey, you were a rock star Sunday. Hey, wanted to let you know, wow, Keith and Kristen, you guys read directing to the hospital well done. Terry, I even gave Terry a shout out in the sermon. That was yeah. my assessing. And instead of having to apologize, I was like, no, who do I need to thank? And so I give him a shout out. Hey, great job. And I went around to people and made sure they knew that we got through this crisis and I want you to know your contribution mattered. So Yeah. And I think there'll be times where both are needed. Who yes. do I need to apologize? Usually to? I need to apologize. Who do I need to thank? But I think those are great things at the end of a crisis to... Yep. to to respond to. And uh, I think a great way to end the episode. There so, you go. Come on. Very good. Thank you for walking us through that. That that was Hope sure it helps. so helpful for so many and uh, bookmark this for next time. So awesome. Thanks a lot. You bet. <laughs>